Well, good morning. I hope you're having a great holiday weekend. If you're here for the first time at LifePoint, thank you so much for spending part of your day with us, checking out our church. I'd love to meet you after the service. Please come down front. A couple other pastors and I will be down front just to come and say hello to you. We'd love to hear a little bit about how you found your way here to LifePoint today. Well, we're in a series, uh, just two weeks, last week and this week, where we're talking about this, talking about a chair. Not just any chair, but an empty chair. Because what, what's happening at our church is over the next couple of weeks, starting next week, uh, we are creating opportunities for you to invite your friends. And last week, we talked about the significance of filling empty chairs, the significance of saying to your friends, hey, come and see what I found. Come and check this out. And this week, we're going to talk a little bit about why, why, what's happening that we want people to show up for. Because for the last couple of years since we've opened up this building, God has grown us in amazing ways. Just, just this week, I got an email from one of the guys on our parking team from last Sunday, and, and he took a picture, and he talked about how emotional he got over that picture, and how he reflected on how being involved here at our church has deepened his relationship with Christ and helped change his life. Not because we're anything special, but I think we're doing a good job at pointing people in the right direction. And the picture was of our full parking lot with cars parked on the grass. And he said, this brought tears to my eyes. And the reason it does is not because we're just about having more cars in the parking lot and more people sitting in seats, but because he knows he's one of those lives that filled an empty chair. And maybe that's you too. And what we're trying to encourage you to do last week and this week is we've got two big things coming up and we want you to help us fill chairs. And the commitment I made to you was if you invite your friends, if you say, hey, come check out what's changing my life, come check out what I found, come check out what has renewed my faith or helped me find faith to start with, come check this out. If you do that, we will continue to present to people who walk through our doors the message of hope that only Christ can bring, the message of forgiveness, the message of grace. If you do that, we will continue to involve people in an experience that helps them have a real connection with God, some of them for the very first time. So two big things are happening. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Finding Your Way Back to God. And what this whole series, Finding Your Way Back to God, is based upon is the search that we all go through. We all look for fulfillment in life. We all feel this emptiness at some point in life, so we go on a journey and we start searching. And oftentimes, that search to find meaning leads us away from God. And so this whole series is about how do you find your way back to God? For some people, you're still finding your way to God. And some people are finding their way back. And, and if you're like the rest of us, finding your way back again and again and again. Even if you follow God for decades, this series that's coming up is going to be a way for you to connect with God in new ways. And we know it's going to be such an impact, we want you to invite your friends to be a part of it. It's based on a book by the same title, Finding Your Way Back to God. These two guys that wrote it, 
Dave and John Ferguson are my friends. Dave Ferguson will actually be here on week three on September 27th to deliver the message in this series. So please be a part of every week, but think about that week as well. We'll have these books out in the lobby next week. You can purchase one, but you can also go on Amazon if you want to pay more for it. And you can, uh, you can go on Amazon and get it or download it for your Kindle. I think they're, I don't know what they are, but they're less here than they will be if you get them online. You can pick up one of those and be a part of that series, because I really believe what's going to happen, as you keep saying to your friends, come with me, that's the reason we're out of seats and parking almost every week, because you're already doing that. So you might think, well, where are we going to put all those extra people? Well, something else is happening next week that's going to help with that as well. Next week on September the 13th, our Wake Forest location opens. Yeah. And then what we're going to do is create a lot of empty chairs in two different places. A lot here for all the people that are saying, hey, I live up there. I want to be a part of that. Or just, hey, I want to go up there and be a part of that. It's going to create space here. It's going to create a lot of space there. And we're going to be able to grow in two places at one time, which will make three places at one time. God has given us as LifePoint Church to help people get connected with him. But the only way that continues to grow and have an impact on the community is if you see as much importance in this chair as we do. If you understand that it's not about gaining numbers of people, it's about adding to God's kingdom. It's not about just saying, oh, we were full again. It's about saying, look at the life change. Last week, we had a baptism service, and I personally know a couple of the stories of people who followed Christ in baptism, who said, I give up. I want the world to know that I'm a follower of Christ. And those two people were people that came and filled an empty chair because somebody said, hey, come and see, come check this out. And so today I want to look at what, what does it look like when, when Jesus radically changes somebody's life so much that they say, you got to come and check this out. I mean, that's the way the kingdom of God has grown throughout the ages. People came to Jesus and listened to him because he was a really good teacher and he taught in new ways, so it sounded really good. It was interesting. They came to him and he performed miracles. You perform a miracle, you can get a crowd. If I could do miracles, this building wouldn't be big enough. But so, so all these people were following Jesus, but people were saying, you got to come and see him. You got to come and meet him. And his movement grew and grew and grew. And that's how it's worked for the last 2,000 years. People who have had an experience with Christ go and tell other people who, who they think should have an experience with Christ and what he's done in their life and what he can do in their life. And then empty chairs get full and lives get changed. And that's what we're asking you to help make happen. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. We're going to look at an episode in the life of Jesus where he had an interaction with someone. Their life was forever changed. And then others' lives were forever changed. You can raise your hand if you'd like one of those. Those are free, yours to keep if you'd like a Bible. You can also follow along on the screen. So we're getting ready to read from a section of scripture where Jesus meets this lady. Uh, he's getting thirsty. He sends his disciples to go and get the food, and he's getting thirsty, so he's going to go get some water. And we're going to pick up the story in the New Testament book of John, which is a book that was written by one of Jesus' followers that talks about the life and ministry of Christ. John was one of the closest followers of Christ. After Jesus died, went back, buried, resurrected, went back into heaven, 
Several of his followers wrote down the accounts, and John wrote down one of them. So we're going to read from a section of this story where Jesus shows up at a well. It's like going through a drive-thru, and he's going through the drive-thru, getting something to drink. And he has a conversation with a lady. It starts in John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Soon a woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So Jesus said, You're a Jew. So she said to Jesus, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, Jesus had already said, My ministry is about finding people. So here he is out looking for people, which was what he was trying to do, was to point people towards heaven, point people towards his father. And he's doing that, and he comes across this Samaritan woman. And she recognizes, hey, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we're not supposed to talk. We're different. Jews don't even talk to or associate with Samaritans. And the reason is, Jewish people look down their noses at Samaritans because they mixed pagan religions and Judaism, kind of mixed them together. They were also the result of people in the Jewish nation marrying people from other nations, and so they called them half-breeds, and and they would not associate with them. And a Jewish woman or a Jewish man was not even supposed to speak, especially to a Samaritan woman, and she could be punished for it. So Jesus says, will you give me a drink? Her first words are, you're not supposed to be talking to me. But then they start having a conversation. And since they're at a well and she's coming there to get water, they start talking about water. And she's talking about, I'm coming here to get water. And and he reveals to her, hey, if, if you knew who was speaking to you, I would give you living water. I would give you something greater. I would give you eternal life, which is what he's talking about when he says living water. And then this happens when she says, well, well, give me, give me some water. She's thinking, hey, I could take off a few years. If you could give me some eternal life water, I'd love to have that. She thinks she's found the, found the fountain of youth. And Jesus says this, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. So she's, she's not quite getting what he's saying. She's not quite understanding. Jesus is not talking about H2O. He's talking about something that will quench something quench greater than your thirst. He's trying to tell her, you've got something deep inside that needs taken care of, and I've got the answer. I can fix it. I can tell you about it. I possess it. She just thinks she's going about her daily life. Jesus is going about his daily life about finding people. And he starts this conversation and she starts to get interested. Well, hey, tell me how I can have this. And so Jesus says, well, go get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. Boy, you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. It's like, oh man, Jesus just got me. I mean, when you were young or if you're young and your parents found out you were doing something and they asked you about it, you thought you were clear. You thought, well, I'm not in trouble. I grew up in a town of a thousand people. Our church is bigger than the town I grew up in. So no matter what I did, no matter what happened, my parents would find out. 
Somehow they would find out. I got a speeding ticket one time, three towns over, and my dad comes, brings me into his office one day, and I knew what was happening. I was like, he's found out, and I did a lot of rebellious stuff as a kid. I didn't know what he'd found out about, so I was just tight-lipped. I could tell by the expression on his face, I'm in trouble, and I just let him talk. Anything you want to tell me, son? Nope. <laughs> Nothing. No, sir. <laughs> and so what he lays out is the new, local newspaper that I forgot actually put in all the tickets that were written, and there was my name. And so I was caught. That's the feeling she must have had that day. She's talking to Jesus, and he says, go get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. True, you do not. You have had five husbands. You don't have a husband. You've had husbands, and the guy you're with now is not even your husband. You're just living with him. She was in relationship trouble, and relationally, this woman had lost her way. It doesn't say why, but you can imagine after a string of bad relationships after bad relationships, maybe she had really low self-esteem. Maybe she had a, had a really hard time picking a good guy. Maybe she just was a good loser magnet. And she picked the wrong guy every time. Maybe she just felt like she wasn't worth anything better and just thought, well, this is my life. This is how it's going to go. So Jesus could have completed this conversation by saying, look, if you want to go upstairs for eternity instead of downstairs, you need to stop what you're doing. Now get me a drink of water. I got business to take care of. He could have done that, but he didn't. He just said, let's talk. And they start having a conversation. See, when Jesus is presented to people, not as you're wrong, you're wrong, stop that, you're wrong, when he's not presented like that and he's presented as, let's just have a talk with him. Let's just see what he has to say about that. All of a sudden, Jesus becomes this very appealing, drawing force for people who've made very bad decisions in life or who are living in ways that are leading them further and further away from God. They don't need to be reminded of that, neither did she. He just said, hey, I know where you are right now. Let's talk about that. And they have this spiritual conversation. And it makes it clear that Jesus didn't even go to the well to get water. He went to meet up with this woman. In Luke chapter 19, another one of the books that tell the story of Jesus' life and ministry, Jesus said this about himself, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's why Jesus came. The word lost can also be translated rendered useless. There's a lot of people in our world who feel like they're useless, who feel like they've made so many mistakes that they could not possibly make things right or be forgiven. But Jesus said, I came to seek and save those who feel like they're rendered useless. In other words, Jesus said, I'm here to find people. And this lady who had felt useless gets presented with the fact that she's speaking to the Messiah. And she actually, actually recognizes that after she says, hey, we're waiting on the Messiah. We're waiting on somebody to come and fix this and make things better for us and, and, and change the world. And Jesus just responds, I'm him. And somewhere in the course of the conversation, she believes. And then she goes back. It says she left her water jars at the well, the whole reason she came there, and she goes running back into town. Can you imagine 
what the scene was like with their live-in boyfriend. You got to go, man. You got to get out of here. I'm finished with you. Why? I thought I sent you to get some water. What are you doing? Leave. Why? Jesus said so. The Messiah talked to me, and he said, you got to leave. I mean, is that the best breakup line ever? <laughs> Jesus said we have to break up. You know, if you've, if you've had a conversation with Jesus, and, and don't use that. Don't say, well, my pastor said that uh, <laughs> Jesus said that we have to. If you're living with somebody, yes, you can do that. But that's probably what she did. She probably went back home and said, you got to go. Out. Done. Finished. Get, get out. Things have to change. All because Jesus said, I'm about seeking and saving that which has been rendered useless by the world. And a woman who had been married that many times and was just living with the guy she wasn't married to would have been looked upon by culture, her culture as she's useless. She's, she's of no value to anyone. She jumps from man to man to man. She steals relationships. She messes up homes and she is useless. And Jesus said, no, that's the kind of people that I came to seek and save. And so she goes and starts telling her town about this. When you look through Jesus's ministry, when he had this impact on people who thought, I'm useless. My life is going down the wrong road and I know it. And then they come to know Jesus. They tend to tell their friends about it. There's a guy named Matthew who, who Jesus convinced he was the Messiah, and Matthew started following Jesus. First thing he did was, hey, I'm going to have a party at my house. I'm going to get Jesus and all my friends together. There was a guy named Zacchaeus who was a tax collector, a very dishonest tax collector. Jesus met up with him. The first thing he did was say, I got to get Jesus and my friends together because all these other tax collectors who are dishonest need to meet this guy who accepts them right where they are and gives them the strength to change. And I can remember when I first started following Christ, when I, when I made that decision, I was going to step across the line, I tried to think of ways that my friends, who were part of my previous life, could get around my new friends, who were all followers of Christ, and just see what happened, and just see how it worked. And it was no different for this woman. So she gets back to town, and here's what she says. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? There are those three words that I talked about last week. Come and see. She didn't know anything. She probably couldn't quote any scripture. She probably would lose a theological argument. She might even lose moral arguments. But one thing she could say, you come and see this guy that told me everything about myself. Come and see this guy that seems to know me like nobody else has known me. And it says, it says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this possibly be the Messiah? And it says, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. And the story goes on that they go and they listen and they believe. People in their town believe because of this woman who was formerly considered useless, said, you got to come and see Jesus if there had been empty chairs, she would have said, there's a place for you. Come and have a seat. Come and see what Jesus did for me. And listen to the results of that. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. 
When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. They believed in Jesus because a woman that they would have thought was useless said, come and see. Just come and fill the empty chair. And that's what we're asking to do. Just, just come and see. Just t- say to your friends, come and see. Because here's, here's what is consistent throughout Scripture. Found people find people. People who are found, they tend to go find other people. And so she was found, and so she said, hey, you got to come and see Jesus. And that's what we're asking to do, is simply just say, hey, come and see this. Come and experience this. We're starting a series that's going to help you do it, that's going to be a great first step for anybody that you would invite, no matter where they are in their journey. Starting a whole new location that's exciting. The series is going to be there too. And all you have to do is say those three words. Just come and see. Because what's behind that, what's behind the the filled up chairs are changed lives. Found people find people. See, those of us who have followed Christ for a long time, for me it was in college, late 80s, 1988. It's easy to forget what it was like to have lost our way. If you've been going to church your whole life or, or you've been around for 10 years or 20 and, and you've been following Christ that long, it's easy to forget what it's like to have lost your way. And I think it's important for us to remember what it was like. When I first accepted Christ, I was really into music. Now, in the late 80s, there was this thing called heavy metal, okay? And I loved it. You know, the, the louder the guitar, the more shreds, all that was great. The more spandex and bigger hair and hairspray and all that stuff. One day, I'm going to feel brave enough to show you a picture, okay? <laughs> but I remember having, to, you know, then I started listening to that music thinking, that's probably not, after I accepted Christ, that's probably not the best music to listen to. Uh, there's some lyrics that probably I shouldn't be rolling around in my mind all the time. So I started to seek out some music, and it was hard to find good, positive music that I also deemed good. I mean, that's relative, but so I finally found some, and, and I felt like I lowered my musical standards, but I did find some with some, some really great lyrics. And there was this one artist who, who, when I first put the cassette tape in my car, <laughs> and I, I listened to the song, I remember, I remember where I was driving. I remember the tears rolling down my cheeks. There's a line in the song, and the song is about, uh, remember what it was like to be without Christ. Because the author, the the writer of the song, saw somebody in chains that was a prisoner, and and he said, just remember what it's like to be in chains, spiritual chains. And there's a line in the song that says, there's no one more thankful to sit at the table than the one who best remembers hunger's pain. And no heart loves greater than the one that is able to recall a time when all it knew was shame. Don't forget where you've been. Don't forget where Christ brought you from. And if you keep that inside of you, that I was found, it's easier to find people. It's easier to take the risk and say, hey, come, come and experience, come and see what I'm investing my life in now. Come and see what I see changing 
people's lives. So if you have trouble with the motivation to ask people to come and see, remember what it was like when you too were wandering, when you too had lost your way. See, those who have lost their way are the best people to point others to the source because found people find people. There's two groups of people in this room. Either you found your way or you've lost your way. There are only two. You found it or you've lost it. What I'm asking you to do is keep coming back. Invite people to come with you. Now, many of you won't do this. But you won't. You just won't do it. And I think here's why. First, you're, just, you're not sure how. That's most people. I just don't know how. How, how do I do that? We're making it as easy as possible. Three words. Same with me. Come, come, and see. That's it. Say those three words. You bring them here, we got the rest covered for you. Or it's just not impacted your life and rocked your world in such a way that it's so compelling that you would want to bring other people in on it. If that's the case, we want to pray for you. You can remember what it was like to be disconnected from God. Maybe you're just on your search Let that search involve somebody else. Bring somebody with you. Inside your program, there's one of these cards. It's called My Five. On the back, there's five blanks. And what we want everybody to do is write down five people. If you can't think, if it's only two, then that's fine. Whatever you can think of. I think five is a reasonable number. And just write their names down. Many of you, probably most of you did this last week. So what I want you to do is is write those names down again. And if you're here for the first time, you may want to write them down twice. Because here's what we want you to do with this card today. If you filled it out last week, write down your one or two or five, whatever it is you're committed to. And bring it down front while Mitch and the band play this song. And just leave it here on the stage. And we're going to end the service today by praying for those people. By praying for all the names that that, that I want to see spread across the stage here. You've got a few minutes to write those down and just somebody, can can I count on a couple people to like break the ice and be the first ones that walk down, right? The first ones that, and don't stare at them. Nobody else stare at them, okay? Just let them walk down. Leave this on the front of the stage. And today you can pick up on in three sections here. There are just some invite cards that just make it really easy to say you're invited. Come and see. And if you don't, if we run out here, there's plenty out in the lobby. But as this song plays, fill out this card. And when you're finished, just walk down and drop it right here. What a powerful scene to watch. I was looking at the monitor in the back as, as you brought all these cards down front. And here's what I know. You care deeply about the people that you wrote down on that card. Because you're calling them to come and see, to experience something that will introduce them to the greatest gift of all. And that's Jesus Christ. Some of you are here because somebody called you to come and see.
they prayed for you. They wrote your name down on a piece of paper and put it back in the wall, stage left back there before we sealed up those walls. We came together. We wrote names and we put them behind there and your name was on there and we prayed for you. And God moved and you came. And you came back and you heard. And you heard about Jesus and you started to believe that he is the one who he said he is. The forgiver of sins and the perfect leader of your life. And so you received the best gift you could ever have. Somebody called you to be here and it has transformed your life in a way that you had never imagined. For some of you, your despair has turned to joy. For others, you're able to forgive when you thought you could never do that. And others, the Bible's become like alive for you. It used to have dust, and now you're like, I, I, I love reading this thing. And your faith seems like it's relevant beyond this one hour that we serve together. And that all started because somebody invited you to come and see. And so here's what I want to do based on all of these names that we have here. I want you to pull out your phone. Go ahead. I won't think, pull out your phone or you might have one of those smart watches, the Apple Watch, Droid, whatever it is. And some of you may have a day timer. Pull those things out right now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to set an alarm for 9.13 a.m. and 9.13 p.m. Why 9.13? Because that's next Sunday. When we're calling God to do the unexpected and help bring people here who need to find their way back to God. And so when that alarm goes off twice a day, I want to join you in prayer. All of us want to join together in prayer, praying for the people that God is going to come and fill the empty seats. Fill up this row right here that's completely empty, though people don't like to sit in the front row. <laughs> but that he would fill that. Imagine if we did that together this week. What, what could happen? Seats could be filled. And it, folks, it isn't about the number. It's not about how many attended today. It's as Donnie said, it's about the changed lives. It's, what, it's about eternity, the best gift you could give somebody. Eternity that starts here and now because Jesus makes a difference. Let's not wait till 9.13 p.m. tonight. Right? We're a little late. It's 1024, a little past the 913 a.m., but let's get started praying. Let's pray for Evan. Let's pray for Susan, for Carol, Nancy. Let's pray that these folks start to be moved by God and they respond, and they come and fill the seats here for Rose, for Brian. Let me pray, and then tonight we'll join together in prayer. Father, 
we come before you with all of these names. None of us know the names except the person that wrote them on the card, but you know every single one of these. You know what's going on in their life. You know exactly where they need to be. Some of them you may move. We call to move here if they live nearby to make this their local church. Maybe you're going to call them up to Wake Forest at that location to fill that seat. But it's not about filling the seat. It's about transforming the life of the person that's written on this card. And so, Father, we call you to do what only you can do so that in the week ahead, the next Sunday and the Sundays ahead, that when we see what you're doing, we say that has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with you. And may you receive the glory and may the people here experience life like they were meant to experience it, and that is in a relationship with their creator through Jesus Christ. Father, move in that way. All we want to do is introduce people to your son so that they can be restored in that relationship with you. And we ask this in your son's name.